Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, we're going to take a look at a pitch deck from a CBD company about uh, good for pain. To help us do that is Katrina Glugowski, angel investor and attorney. Katrina, thanks for being back on the podcast. Thanks, Josh. All right. Everyone knows people in pain, which is why pain is a multi-billion dollar everlasting domestic and global market. And unlike CBD's vague benefits, customers in pain have one thing on their mind, and what's good for them and their family? Why should they believe it? And where can they get this? So this is what Good For is ready to demonstrate immediate benefits to investors. They've got a team here with the CEO, chief science officer and formulator, medical director, marketing director, and the founder, health and wellness research. I right. like the team. So that means number six, the team. Some milestones. They formed the company in January 2019, launched a website. And they tested some products in September 2019, got some ambassadors in May, they started sales. And then right after that, they were at the FDA registering good for pain as an over-the-counter medicine. That's some, very interesting, Josh. Yeah. And then right after that, they got a, filed a patent and then they have clinical trials beginning November. So very clinical, nice trials? clinical trials, all a very nice milestone. So hopefully they'll dive into that and kind of show us what that means. So this is why Good Four can grow quickly. They got the best pain products and best brand name, easy to demonstrate and prove pain relief works in seconds, securing the supply chain and low cost of goods, protected global intellectual property. So how they earn great results. So they have customer experience. They give some their customers some time to validate their marketing claims with hundreds of testimonials confirmed with a repeat purchases generating 32% of the revenue and referrals generating 42% of revenue. I like to see those numbers, Josh. Uh, we very rarely get to see actual repeat customers. That, that's a good number to know. Mm -hmm. I'd want to know why those numbers are in a little bit higher, but I'm glad that they're there. So scientific and legal proof exceeds safety concerns, elevated marketing claims, initial clinical trials, secured global growth, and an increased investor ROI. There's that FDA registration again. Give me more information about that. So they've got a couple of products, topicals and oils. I myself have tried the uh, topical, was a little bit too smelly for me, um, but I would use it like if I was home, just not wanting to go and be in public, I guess, with that. So they've got some oils for humans and pets, some formulations, good for stress, good for sleep, good for immune support, good for sex, that's a lube, and then good for stopping sugar. So all of these are supposed to help with inflammation, arthritis, or a massage. These are getting really close to FDA prohibitions. Uh, uh, I, I'm, my interest is, is peaked uh, about how they're getting away with this, Josh. Yeah, likewise. We'll have to see uh, with the FDA handing out cease and desist what that looks like. Some competitive advantages. They have uh, high wholesale margins at 55% higher direct-to-consumer margins at 85% performance and formulations. They've got clinical trials, the FDA allowing pain claims uh, with doctors and other healthcare professionals that are likely to promote its products. The experience team design appeal to distinction and a brand name. Josh, this, this is interesting to me. They say they have a clinical trial and then they put a footnote and their footnote says, Company believes its formulations are unlikely to be reverse engineered. I don't know what reverse engineering the formula has to do with clinical trials. Uh, that might be an error. 
Uh, and then second, this is the third time in this pitch deck that they've talked about FDA approval, FDA allowance, uh, FDA registration. And I still haven't seen a lot of that uh, information about, about that when if that is true, that would be a huge, huge competitive advantage. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Financial pro forma expectations. So going from 2020 to 2022, looks like their sales are going to go from 80,000 to 1.8 million with a direct cost of sales going from 30,000 to 800, uh, 843,000. Well, I always like to see real numbers, um, and I'm going to assume that their numbers for 2020 uh, are fairly fairly close. Um, and we, but we are still talking about a company that's only had eighty thousand dollars in sales. Mm -hmm. So, let let's see what else they can provide to us to to sweeten the pie. Let's get back to that FDA registration. Right. So they want, they're emphasizing that this is a conservative model, that their operational shift is from direct to consumer to wholesale, and that wholesale price is 50% of the MSRP. So cost of goods sold at wholesale is 45% with significant investment in advertising marketing budgets can be adapted based on actual sales and availability of capital. So how they're going to succeed in 2021 is direct to consumer versus wholesale. I think they're going to try and you know ramp up wholesale. Um, starting in January. We finally get to an ask. So their financial ask is a convertible promissory note. They're going to raise 250000 now, 500000 later at a higher valuation with a less of a discount. Minimum principal is 25000 or minimum investment. So at an interest rate of 10% uh, with a payoff in 24 months. So it looks like a discount at 20%. Uh, I don't see a valuation. I don't see a cap. Right. Maybe those are negotiable. That's okay. Um, but I want to know how they're going to get through clinical trials with $250,000. Right. I've never seen that done. Isn't, isn't that closer to seven figures? Yeah. I think you're looking at over, over a million for, for that. Um, yeah. And then an investor is going to want to know what this converts into. So like you were mentioning, Katrina, what's the, what's the valuation? How many shares do you get if you are going to convert it? Um, assuming you're not going to extend the balloon payment an additional 24 months. Here's some use of funds, marketing. One fifth is going to marketing. Another fifth almost is going to personnel and then legal and accounting fees at only 15%. I would assume again that that would be probably first and foremost to kind of get you through that that hurdle. Um, system infrastructure, whatever that means, and then working capital at forty two. Well, I like that they at least have a plan of how to spend the money. That's that's good. We don't often see that either, Josh. So valuable intellectual property. Kind of throw out some trademarks here or patents. These are not patents, these are trademarks. Um, and they trademarked the name good for. And, and that, that is good. It's always good to trademark the name of your business, um, but that does not make it a differentiator with your competitors. And that is it. So does good for identify the business plan goals? Yeah, they, they talked about what they needed the money for and how they were gonna spend the money. And so yeah. Uh, 
they get a point. Do they know the investor audience? They used a lot of the buzzwords that investors like. Uh, we saw how, how many returning customers they have. They, we saw cost of goods sold mentioned. We talked about uh, uh, use of funds. Uh, they had an actual ask. Uh, the valuation was missing, but uh, I'm, I'm going to give them a point there. They, they actually got a lot farther than uh, some of the other pitch decks that we see. So this is going to get more competitive, obviously, with a lot of CBD companies that we've seen. Do they understand the market? I think that they understand the market. I don't think they're acting on that understanding. So they're searching for a differentiator and their differentiator is this FDA approval or registration or, or whatever it is that they actually have. They, they seem to have used the terms interchangeably throughout their pitch deck. Uh, so they do understand the CBD market, uh, but they didn't really talk about a single competitor. Uh, and they are not the only one out there in the soup making CBD and CBD products. And they are not the only one reaching for the grail of uh, FDA certification, registration, approval, allowance. Uh, so they really need to spend some time on competition, Josh. So is that a full point, half a point? I'll give them a half a point. All right. So that's a good segue into identifying needs and roadblocks. I didn't really see anything um, in terms of, you know, that regulatory hurdle you would get trying to work with the FDA or maybe not raising enough money <laughs> could be another one. Uh, uh, yeah, they, they didn't really identify any of the roadblocks that we would expect. Uh, FDA regulations changing, USDA regulations changing, uh, and they, they applied for a patent, doesn't mean they're going to get it. And uh, their needs, I agree with you. I think a $250,000 ask to launch a CBD brand is, uh, is not going to be enough money. Uh, so I don't think that I can give them a point for number, number four, Josh. No points for number four, but what about knowing what sets the business apart? Did, they, did, did their secret sauce slide do enough for you? You know, I'm going to say if everything they said is correct, yes, they have some secret sauce that sets them apart. The problem is I know enough about the industry to question whether or not what they are saying is forthcoming with some of the roadblocks. Uh, their footnote that can, seems to confuse clinical trials uh, when you start talking about FDA and clinical trials on the same piece of paper, that has a meaning to people like me that this is about to be FDA approved uh, and all of that work that, that the FDA approval entails costs money. Uh, I just, I, I think they missed the mark. I, I just really think they missed the mark. They could have very easily as an appendix attached their patent application. Um, they're public. You can give me a patent pending number that I can go look at. And the FDA gives you a written letter of approval. Attach that as an appendix. And you would probably get a telephone call from me if you had a CBD product 
that was FDA approved. So did we give them a full point for that or no points? I, for number five, I gave them zero because of their, their claims, if true, would be groundbreaking. I just, they didn't support their, their claim. And if they are true, please, please send us the information and we will do an update. Number six, introducing the team and products. I think that was the very first slide. They did a really nice job of introducing the team. Uh, you know, I like to be able to Google who these people are. Uh, they, they have some nice little buzzword that we can look up and confirm. Uh, and they introduce the product. I like it when they have a real live product with actual real live sales. So yeah, <laughs> they, get, they get a sale. They get a point for number six. And then how about number seven? Did they create a summary with a call to action? Yes, I think they did. They had an ask. They set, for, they set forth the terms of the deal. Uh, the valuation being absent uh, can be explained by the fact that the valuation is negotiable. So they get a point. So I think that brings us up to uh, four and a half out of seven. Is that right? Let me do my math here. And I think that is. So that's a 64%. 64%, so not too shabby. That's almost uh, two thirds there. Um, so some of the things that we would maybe uh, want them to tune up a little bit, I think it would help with understanding the market as well as knowing what sets the business apart by kind of adding more information about something as tantalizing as getting uh, clinical trials and FDA approval and all of those things. That's really, really big, big deal for a CBD company to have that to distinguish themselves. I agree wholeheartedly, Josh. And then identifying needs and roadblocks that also lets an investor know that you've done your due diligence, that you know, there could be some issues and that there's going to be no like, like surprises. And you know, we want to make sure that uh, you tell an investor everything that could happen, uh, not to scare them, but to let them know that you've done again, your due diligence. So all in all good deck, um, four and a half out of seven, not too shabby. Agree. All right. I think we're going to roll this one up. I want to thank my guest, Katrina Gugowski, angel investor and attorney. Thanks for being back on the podcast. Thanks, Josh. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network. Network.